It is Pastor Eric with you uh, Friday morning for our Friday morning devotion. Uh, you may have noticed that last week we missed it because I had a pre-scheduled uh, event that day and couldn't be here in the morning, but I'm back with you here today. And as we have uh, begun a series in uh, looking at 1 Corinthians, we're going to continue that today looking at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. Um, outside right now, as I am sharing this devotion with you, uh, our VBS crew is uh, in the field getting ready to go, getting ready to welcome kids, which we've had a great week. Uh, Sabrina has done an amazing job organizing this thing and wrangling all the kids up together. And uh, I think we've had 90 plus kids be a part of it, which is, um, uh, needless to say, I think much larger than we had expected going into the summer because, of course, we're still walking around in uh, Rona land and uh, having to deal with the obstacles there, but we've been very pleasantly uh, surprised and, and very thankful for what God has done this week uh, through VBS. So make sure to uh, uh, say a prayer for them today as they get ready. And also, if you see Sabrina and uh, uh, or one of the crew that's been involved in making this happen, um, take a moment to thank them. They've done done great work. So uh, we're looking at 1 Corinthians 3. If you were with us before, you know that Paul is doing um, basically one of two things all throughout this letter, and he'll continue it today. On the one hand, he is anchoring them in their identity in Christ. He never sort of moves away from that. He's always saying, you have been sanctified in Christ, you have been justified in Christ, you have been re redeemed by Christ entirely. And yet at the same time, he is writing this letter to address a number of problems that the Corinthian church has. Uh, he refers to these problems as uh, matters of the flesh. And this church is definitely uh, very fleshy, very, very fleshy. And, uh, and the first issue that he's dealt with, uh, or alluded to a little bit in the first couple chapters, is uh, people dividing in the church over who they think is a more orthodox teacher, who they think is a better teacher of the gospel. We don't even know quite why they're, they're um, dividing, um, but they are dividing, and they're taking sides. Uh, and it's really quite silly, but of course, it's not something that we're immune to. It's not something that we're uh, shocked by. We're prone to dividing over anything and to taking sides over any issue. Uh, if you don't believe me, uh, watch Christians on Facebook or Twitter debate politics. Actually, don't do that. No, it's it's completely unfruitful. It will just get your blood pressure raised. <laughs> so, uh, but you know what I'm talking about. It's very very easy for us to uh, to be tribal. It's actually part of our natural sort of DNA. We know this from uh, what science has shown us, and it's something that we have to continually deprogram ourselves from. We have to be deprogrammed by the Spirit of God in order to uh, stay united with people that we might have disagreements with. So, all that said by way of introduction, Paul begins saying, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Now, you see again what Paul's doing. On the one hand, he doesn't deny they're in Christ. You're, you are in Christ but you're acting like a bunch of babies. <laughs> That's basically what he's saying. Like, you're in Christ, but I have to deal with you like you're a child because you guys are acting like children. 
He says, verse two, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Indeed, it is merely human. It is natural to do this kind of stuff. But what's so silly about this, too, is that Paul and Apollos are preaching the same gospel. They're in agreement about what the content of the message is. And so it leads me to believe that the divisions that are taking place have more to do with style than substance. Paul, of course, is a a weighty theologian and, uh, you know, definitely has a philosopher's mind. Uh, He's a well-trained academic being raised within the tradition of Judaism by some of the most well-known teachers of the day. Apollos, on the other hand, is known for being a gifted preacher, a gifted speaker. And so people basically, based on those preferences, are choosing sides. Now, I mean, the silly thing is, of course, because they're preaching the same message, they should be able to just appreciate each teacher's gifts. Yeah, it's natural. You might prefer one style over another. That's really fine if, you know, you have a different preference for, you know, what makes it easier for you to listen and to receive the message. Fine. There's no problem with that. I mean, for example, uh, Pastor Bruce and I are, we have different styles of teaching and preaching, and some of you will prefer the way that Bruce preaches just because it's easier for you to uh, get into the message, and some of you might prefer the way I teach or preach. That's fine. It's another thing to say, I'm on team Bruce, or I'm on team Eric. Uh, Once you go there, then you're creating unnecessary division in which me and Bruce would be sitting in the office going, what's going on here? Like, why? what would cause this division? Uh, So that's really what's going on here. And Paul is having to address this uh, sort of frustratedly. So he says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. And I love this description of ministry. I planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. No, Corinthians, you're getting it all wrong. You're thinking that it's us that is responsible for growing the church or or, uh, being dynamic as a church. No, we're just vessels through whom God is working in order to bring the growth in the church body. And our various gifts, different as they may be, are tools that God uses in that process. Verse 7, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God gives the growth. Oh, that God's Spirit would work in my heart in such a way that I can say that each and every day and mean it as a minister of the gospel. I'm not anything in this equation. He is That's the idea. I'm just a tool through which he might work in order to bring growth to his church. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Who owns the church? God. It's not not Eric's church. It's not Bruce's church. It's not any pastor's church. 
It's not my ministry. It's not Bruce's ministry. It's God's ministry. God is the possessor of his church, God's field, God's building, God's people. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I lay the foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So here's where you would be justified in separating from other Christians or from other people confessing to be Christians. If the foundation of the ministry, of the preaching and teaching, is not Jesus Christ, if it is something other than Christ and him crucified, then you have legitimate reason to say, gang, we're going off the rails here. And uh, this crazy train is not taking us anywhere good. We need to get back to the foundation, which is Christ. If there is a refusal to anchor the ministry and anchor the church in that message, then yes, it's legitimate to say, I can't support this anymore. But that's not what's happened here. Uh, Paul doesn't say that the foundation has been torn apart. He says the foundation was laid and ever since there's been building upon it. Verse 12, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, important to note here, some of you have heard this verse referenced as a way of describing sort of Christians that will be saved with ease and Christians that will barely make it away from the flames. Maybe you can apply that this way here, but keep it in context. This is Paul talking about the work of people who are ministering in the church. He's talking about the work here, and he's saying, you know, there's going to be some that are more crafty and better, you know, more gifted uh, for the work than others. Some will build with, uh, as he as he puts it here, gold, silver, precious stones. Others, maybe it's just wood, hay, straw. And the truth is, if we're just being honest, every pastor has has plenty of both. Every pastor may even have a whole lot of hay and straw and wood. <laughs> We're imperfect people. We make mistakes. And, uh, and so there, there, all of us are going to have stuff that when we stand before the Lord and God evaluates our work as pastors, uh, he's going to go, nah, you blow that away. That's not important. But it won't change our status with God because our status with God is based on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Verse 16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Now, it's, it's important here to note something that I, I think doesn't always come out in the text, especially when it's discussing this idea of, uh, of us being the temple of the Holy Spirit. The word uh, you here, where he says, do you not know that you are God's temple? The you is plural. So this is not speaking about individuals here. He is not saying you individual are carrying the Holy Spirit with you, although you are. That's fine to say that. But he's talking to the whole body. And he says, all of you, instead of being different stones dividing from the foundation, 
all of you are part of the same building. You're part of the same temple and God's spirit dwells in all of you. So how can you divide? You're acting not spiritual, which is one, which is uniting you. You're acting fleshly. You're acting opposite of what God has declared you to be by the spirit's power. So he continues, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Uh, Paul is not saying here, of course, um, who cares about actually trying to learn something in life or be wise and just, you know, uh, stay ignorant and be a fool. That's not his point here. His point here is that probably what's leading to the division is some arrogance, that people think they're wiser than they are. And we know, as Paul says in other places in the scriptures, that knowledge puffs up and can easily uh, fill us with conceit. There's people in the Corinthian church that have been puffed up by their own wisdom. We know wisdom was a gigantic deal in the Greek culture because of the influence of philosophy over all of that part of the world. Paul says, if it's your wisdom that's causing this division, well, then it's better to be a fool. It's better to be a fool and be united to your brothers and sisters than to be wise and isolated and alone. That's the idea. We are not meant to be, we are meant to be together, brothers and sisters, Paul is saying to the Corinthian church. So, verse 21, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, that's Peter, or the world, or life or death, or the present or the future, all are yours. No need to just choose one. Why limit yourself? Appreciate all that God has given you. They're all yours, church. And you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. That is the foundation of our unity, that we are Christ's, and Christ is God's. If I can just say it this way, going back to first things, always. When we go back to first things, what keeps us united, church, is, is not our politics, it's not our socioeconomic status, it's not our background, it's not where we were raised, it's, not, it's none of that stuff. If it starts to become that stuff, then we lose the thread. The train goes off the rail. Now, what unites us and will always unite us is that you and I are both sinners, but we are saved by Jesus Christ, our wonderfully gracious God. And when we're there, when we focus there, we stay there, we won't be prone to the division, but we'll unite in the power of the Spirit and be used mightily by him. Okay, that's our devotion for today. I got us through 23 verses in a little under 16 minutes, I think. So, you know, we sped through it a little bit, but um, glad you could be here with me this morning.